0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I'll baptize you with water, but but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The gospel of the Lord. Lord Invite you to please be seated. Sorry I got a little choked up, but... If y'all have been around a while, you know I love John the Baptist. Just the, the humility of John the Baptist. Um, today's a special day. Today, uh, we are going to hear testimony from um, Mark Hood. And uh, Mark's just, as way of introduction, it's just a lump of clay. That's all he is. It's just a big old lump of clay that the Lord has molded and shaped into the man of God that he is today. And Mark's got a story. He's got a testimony we heard in Isaiah today. Go up on the mountaintop and proclaim the goodness and the greatness of the Lord God. And we heard John the Baptist preparing the way, making the way clear for the Messiah, for the one to come. Again, the humility of John to stoop down. He's not even worthy to stoop down and untie the thongs of of him who is to come. Mark has testimony today. He's got, he's got a story to tell. And I prayed that you have ears to hear what the Spirit has to say through him today. That we might encounter Christ in a very real way today through the testimony of Mark. So Mark, will you please come up? And I just want to lay hands and pray over you, please. So we just pray, come Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for the way that you call us to purpose your will. And I thank you, Lord, for the way that you mold us and shape us to be who you have created us to be. Lord, I pray a fresh anointing to fall upon Mark today. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness in his life. Be glorified through his testimony, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Thanks, T. My goodness, there's a lot more than 50 people out here, like you said. (laughs) Morning, everybody. It is such a humbling pleasure to be able to speak with you all today and just to share some time with you. I just find it such a blessing to step out here and then speak to the Lord and what he's done in my life. Some of y'all who've done some very incredible things in their lives, who've been to other planets, individuals who've done things, might be looking, thinking to yourself, who's this joker up here? And how did he get it? Now, you know, T already said I was a big lump of clay. So, and that's okay. So I had the distinct pleasure of crashing in the Hudson River in uh, 2009 on January 15th in flight 1549. And I say that because at the time it may not have felt like a pleasure. But when I look back and, and I think of what the Lord did in our lives and in the lives of many others, it's It's something. So, a couple of ground rules. If I get emotional about something, just give me a minute. It'll pass. Second, when T and I started talking about this, he said, you know, will you come and share your story? I'm like, absolutely. I'll fire up the PowerPoint. I've got, you know, videos and pictures and everything. He said, no, 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 no. <laughs> he said, we want, hear, we want to hear about your faith walk, your faith journey. Go. That means I got to kind of share some things with y'all, some that are really, really at the top of the mountaintop, but others that are in the valley. things that uh, I wouldn't wish on anybody. So having said that, go back to me, uh, go back with me to Augusta Road Baptist Church in 1967 with a young man sitting back here, Charlie Legrand. Charlie and I grew up at Augusta Road Baptist Church, we were blessed to be surrounded by godly men and women who love the Lord. And really, what that means is if your mother and your father weren't close by and you were misbehaving, they'd give you some gentle correction. But they also love the Lord. And I started to ask my mother and my father when I was just a wee one, what is this thing about Jesus? You know, my sisters and my brother, they're Christians. What have I got to do? I want to be a part of the club. And my mother was so happy and she said, well, you gotta go speak to the pastor. I'm like, gosh, the guy that wears black all the time. Yeah, you gotta go talk to him. So I went and spoke to him and prayed the prayer. Lord, come into our life, come into my life and save me. And then I said, All right, is that it? He said, No, 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 no. He said, You gotta walk down the aisle by yourself in front of the whole church and tell the whole church that you want to be a Christian. I'm like, by myself? He said, Yeah. So, y'all just as clear as a bell, I went home and I asked my mother, I said, Mama, I don't know that I can walk down that aisle. And she said, just imagine you're holding Jesus' hand. She said, if you, if, if you just think that you got your hand around Jesus' finger, you'll be good. I'm like, great. And it was a great preparation because that c- kind of resonated in my life from that point forward. I broke my neck when I was 14 years old. Um, and again, that godly man who raised me, my father, who was a hardcore World War II vet. Um, When it came the night before my surgery, I went into him. I said, Daddy, I'm scared. And my father, who I'd never seen weep in his life, just broke into tears and said, I am too. And so we prayed. And that day when I held the Lord's hand through surgery, you know, it all went well. Now, I wish I could tell you that everything that happened in my life turned out well and perfect just like the flight, but everything always doesn't, as we all know. So flash forward with me a little bit further, 46 years ago last week at Young Life, I met Mrs. Hood. What a blessing, huh? You know, I found out how much fun you could have at Young Life, but I also got to meet her, and I'm like, Lord, I'm going to marry that girl. Um, it just took me eight years to convince her. So. Got out of high school, matriculated out of high school, got to college by the grace of God, and was at the Citadel, and one of the toughest days of my life. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm all right. So um, that's my coach down here, by the way, y'all. Um, I just come back from chow, uh, that's evening meal, and the phone rang, and it was my brother-in-law, and he said, Your brother has been in an automobile accident. I'm like, God, no, it's not really. People who believe like I believe, that's not supposed to happen. And he said, he needs you. So that was on a Wednesday. My brother passed away on a Thursday. He was 31 years old, had a six-month-old child. Just crushed my family. Um, We buried him on Saturday, and by Sunday, I was back at the Citadel. And y'all, when I got out of the Citadel, I didn't want anything to do with just staying here. So, again, I looked at the Lord, and I'm like, Lord, I don't want to stay here. Every time I turn around, I'm reminded. He said, Mark, just follow your heart. Go with me. And I went to University of Louisiana Monroe and became a strength coach. I coached there, then I came back and got married and finished my master's degree at Clemson with Lisa. Then I went to University of Houston, University of Arizona, and then the good Lord really worked a mighty work in my life. I was riding my motorcycle home from the University of Arizona. I was a strength coach there, and I was passing this building, and it had a bunch of flags up, and I said, Lord, I don't know that, what I'm going to do with my life, but I feel like there's something more. And as I grabbed his hand, he said, turn in that building, and it was the Marine recruiter. <laughs> I came home that night and told Lisa I'd join the Marine Corps. <laughs> So I said, honey, we're going to go all kinds of places and have all kind of fun. You're going to love it. She said, okay. So uh, I got in, went into the Marines, went to this, you know, what we call Mediterranean floats, which are really a great thing. You get right on a boat out into the, to Europe and the Med and have fun and, you know, <laughs> if everything goes as planned. So Lisa and I had this awesome vacation plan to Israel. So I'm way up in the mountains in France training with the French foreign legionnaires and all of a sudden we get emergency evacuated back to the ship and we go to this little country called Liberia. And everything stopped then when it came to the vacation. None of the wives came. We went to Liberia and did an evacuation there of um, a number of people uh, and also stopped the two warring tribes. So when I finally got home six months later, I I looked at her and I said, honey, we can start a family. There is no way I will go back out and deploy again. It's my gift of prophecy. (laughs) And Lisa great. So we got pregnant in September-ish. I left a day after Christmas and went to uh, Desert Storm. Uh, It was Desert Shield then. Uh, and so um, again, I held the hand of the Lord. I'm like, Lord, just show me what to do here. And he said, remember James, free the oppressed, <laughs> be with the widow and the orphan. And when we got there, I was with a unit that was up on the border with Kuwait. And we were going into uh, Kuwait at night from Saudi Arabia. And again, y'all, this was 1991. There were no cell phones. There were no computers. They had this thing called the Desert fax. And uh, I was Up on the border and we would go over into Kuwait at night and convince Iraqis to come back with us. Now a lot of different ways to convince them but we got brought a lot of them back but when we went over we didn't couldn't have anything on us that identified us or showed anything that was personal in case we were captured. So I'm sitting there dug into this hole and I get a desert fax from the company runner and it's a fax from Lisa and it shows two children it's an, an ultrasound. I'm like, wow, I'm going to have twins. And so I, uh, I looked at it, I went and told my best buddy, and then I burned it and went on the patrol. So, you know, we eventually, as you remember, if you're students of history, we kicked the uh, Iraqis out. And the war's ended. Now, smoke from the oil wells is blowing, and it's pitch black all day. All, you know, you got covered in, in black all day. So I'm walking around the camp I'm in, and the first sergeant comes up and says, "Uh, Lieutenant Hood, can you go down to the uh, the company commander's office or his, his hooch? I said, sure. Met him at the front door, and there were two guards there, and they said, we need all your weapons, all my weapons. So I gave all my weapons. And then he proceeded to tell me that Lisa and both children had passed away, and of course, it, it, it crushed me. And he said, I'm reading you the Red Cross message. This is what happened. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know. This is one of those things. I don't know that I can get through. And he just said, hold my hand, Mark. And uh, I held his hand and you couldn't get out, couldn't fly because of the smoke. So finally, I got to Kuwait International Airport via a truck and I ran into some Saudi National Guardsmen. They drove me back I got back to King Fod Airport and called the Red Cross number, and Lisa answered the phone, and she was good to go. They were alive. I got home in time to see them born. And I use that as an example because a lot of this is just warm-up for um, those tests that come in life um, and, 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 and holding the Lord's hand. So flash forward with me when I got out of the Marine Corps. I'm working for a Japanese diagnostic firm and flying all over the world, And uh, I got on that plane, flight 1549 in January. It's snowing outside. Um, We take off, run into some uh, geese, crash into the Hudson River. Y'all, when the geese hit the plane, I'm sitting by this lady. And she and I are as opposite night and day. And I grabbed her hand and I held her hand and I started to pray. I prayed for her. I prayed for Captain Sullenberger. I prayed for the passengers. And then I prayed for my children, and then I prayed for Lisa. I said, Lord, let Lisa get married again and find happiness with someone who's not near as good-looking as I am. And then then, uh, I prepared to stand in front of the Lord and and meet him. So anyway, there's good books, Miracle on the Hudson, um, a couple of others out there, Brace for Impact, if you want to read about what took place that day. But we came through it unscathed. And y'all, I was at the airport in LaGuardia, and this scruffy fellow was standing there, and he said, tell me what happened out there. And I said, man, the hand of the Lord was on that plane. He said, well, can I use your name? I said, sure, Mark Hood, Charlotte, North Carolina. I didn't think anything about it. At 5.30 the next morning, the phone's and people wanting to do interviews. And I'm like, Lisa, let's, let's do this. I said, let's tell them all about it. And, you know, immediately we started to share the good news across the world and the country. Um, I could go on and on about this. I'm not going to because, you know, if I reflect back on this, I was so blessed that day. And I felt like we responded to the Lord and that he was leading us to go and bless for him. So we started to share the story throughout the world, like I said. I met a guy named Thad Barnum. Anybody know him? <laughs> yeah. You know how persuasive, Th- how persuasive Thad can be? And Ireland when she was there. So I go on this uh, revival with Thad to Pennsylvania. And I share my story. And it's life-changing. But it's not life-changing for me. It's life-changing for my mother-in-law who was a member here, Susan Collins. Her life changed so drastically, the Lord touched her. I have a dear friend who's sitting up here in the second row, no spotlight, Uh, but she came to the house the night after the crash and the Lord came into her life. Um, I can go on and on and ifs and ors, but I just want to close it with this. Thad again grabbed me and got me to come to Connecticut to speak at his church. And right before I'm coming up on stage, he said, there's a young lady here whose mother sold her into prostitution when she was a teenager. Um, We've been praying for her. um, Erland's been uh, ministering to her. And so just know that going in there. I'm like, wow, okay. So when I prayed about holding the Lord's hand, I'm sorry, when I spoke about holding the Lord's hand the whole time during the crash, (laughs) The young lady was so moved, the Lord touched her, that eventually she came up and she gave her life to the Lord that day. So again, I count that as complete victory, y'all. So I'm going to close now because I'm already over uh, over my time. But I've lived an abundant life, and the Lord is a good God through good and bad, no matter what. And if you take anything from this and uh, any joy, it's knowing that he will let you reach out and grab his finger or hold his hand no matter what comes your way. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Well done, you old lump of clay. (laughs) It is so encouraging to hear the faithfulness of the Lord, to hear how he guided you through your life, through the ups and the downs. And it's a word of encouragement for all of us um, because life is not even keel. And uh, so thank you for sharing. And, uh, and, and, And thank you for being a conduit of amazing grace to Susan Collins. Thank you.